and welcome to the Heart God Media Podcast on a Saturday morning. This is being recorded at a ripe 7.36 a.m. with myself and uh, a friend who has uh, appeared on this podcast several times. And whenever he does, it, I don't think we have done an episode, maybe the Silver Bullet episode, but I'm pretty sure we touched upon the Ramones in that one. But the uh, the consummate uh, yet professional uh, Mr. Lewis Smith is joining us today. Dude, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here yet again. Um, I sound like Ray Romano's brother, so this, this is great, you know, to be able to just fucking roll right into this. And, and dude, I'm pretty sure that you are right. Um, I think we like touched on in that silver bullet episode. I think we touched on it. Like somehow we like meandered our way into like, you know, we brought it up kind of thing. Like we started talking about Ramones somewhere in that fucking podcast. But, but anyway, thank you for having me back. I'm fucking super jacked to talk about this. Oh yeah. So today, if you haven't uh, been able to tell, uh, we, I am 100% deceiving anyone that is searching this podcast or searching anything CJ and or Richie Ramone related because the title of the episode is Richie and CJ Ramone, parenthesized, live and recorded. So that sounds maybe possibly like they're on this show. They unfortunately are not, but um, we are going to be talking about Richie Ramone and CJ Ramone. Obviously, we've covered the Ramones extensively. We covered pretty much their entire discography and the history of the Ramones. Uh, we talked our, our favorite albums, our favorite songs from each album. Uh, I mean, we've we, we've we've ran, ran the gamut, and it just was not enough. So now we are covering two members that are, without a doubt, vastly uh, underappreciated and overlooked sometimes. Not by us, but perhaps our peers and, and fellow Ramones fans, but uh, today we're going to shine some light, especially, uh, you know, we meant to, we were meaning to do this episode since we had both had a chance to catch CJ Ramone and Richie Ramone this past year. I had previously caught in C, or Richie Ramone a few years ago. You had previously uh, caught CJ Ramone a few years ago, and this summer we we flip-flopped and you finally saw Richie and I finally saw CJ, so now this episode is uh, more than merited at this point in time. Oh, absolutely. And I and I think what, what even is way cooler about that is we got to see both of them in, like, what was it? It was, like, like two weeks or a week. Like, it was days, right? Like, we flip-flopped. We saw them. Wasn't fucking... I think uh, CJ was on, like, the 14th or 15th. It was like within like a two week span because we saw CJ in like the middle of August and then we saw Richie on the first of September. Yeah, yeah, that's dude, that's what it was, and that's in that to me in and of itself, just the fact that like it was it was my first time seeing Richie, it was your first time seeing CJ, but also because it happened in such a short like the turnaround time was such a, was so short and oh, it's kismet. We, and we both went to get, like we went to those shows together like that. I don't know. That's just that's that's just wild, man. <laughs> that's great. You I know? mean, especially doing being able to say like, obviously, you and I being the biggest Ramones fans that each other know, and being able to say, hey, within a two week span, together we went to uh, a CJ show and then a Richie show and saw those songs played live and and were able to enjoy the music once again by guys that were in the band and I mean. 
helped write some of the songs and, and were there and, and are part of that history and are Ramones, despite what anybody says, anybody with a wig. Um, <laughs> Marky Shat, boom. Um, vulture, man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was super, uh, it was super important as far as like my music, uh, show going, um, career, if, if that's, uh, the way to put it. Um, because they are, you know, you're talking about three of the last surviving members of the band. And we have recently, you know, we've saw two, I've seen Marky, but he was playing with the Misfits. So I haven't really seen a Marky set. But for some reason, these two shows were super important to uh, to see, and and we're gonna we're gonna dive right into it. So talk about the first time that you saw CJ. You saw him in Vermont, right? Yeah. So he played up in Vermont at Higher Ground, and he played in like their little lounge area, which isn't little. It's it's a it's a pretty decent sized room. Um, if I were to like compare it to anything. I would say it, it's it's semi comparable to like Lost Horizon minus like the little pit area in front of the stage. Okay, like, it's it's a, it's a room basically, um, you know, bar in the back, etc. But um, the set was fantastic. Uh, he he obviously like he went on and played like an amazing set that feature predominantly like you know ramones covers he did it was on that american beauty tour um so that was kind of the the material that he was playing from his original repertoire um it was really interesting because i had a moment i know i've told you about this but there was a moment when he was like kind of calling out to the audience which i will uh, here's another thing it was sparsely populated so there was maybe maybe 30, 40 people that had showed up. And it's a pretty big room. You definitely could have put like 150, maybe 175 people in there. So it wasn't a packed show, but it it was super intimate. And there was one point when he called out to to the audience, the members being like, hey, he's like, what do you guys want to hear? And I was like, play the Crusher. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to play that. And like at at that moment, it was like, it was a little heartbreaking because I'm like, fuck dude like <laughs> i had this guy you know that i fucking worshipped in a band that i've worshipped and uh i'm like you know straight up being told like shut i'm shut down at that point oh yeah but but um so the, the sets played etc he gets off stage um during their last song he's like hey you know anyone wants to do shots i'm gonna be at the bar we're gonna sign shit whatever like he was super humble um, I got to meet him. We took a shot together and I had said to him, like, I was like, Hey, I was like, so I was the asshole that said, uh, you know, play the crusher. And he explained it. And I thought it was interesting. Um, I can't remember if we brought this up on the other podcast, but I don't give a shit. I'm just going to say it again. Um, he explained, he's like, you know what? He's like, I like playing Ramon songs from a time period that I wasn't part of. And I would be, I would like to see other people, if they cover Ramon's songs, to cover the songs that I wrote or helped pen when I was in the band. So that's that was kind of his explanation. I, I found that to be – I could live with that. Yeah, that's you know, that's more than acceptable and understandable for sure. Right. He didn't like strip somebody being like, you're a dickhead. I'm not going to fucking play that song, you know. But, um, but, dude, the set was great, high energy. Um, he was beardless at that time or relatively beardless. Okay. He had some stubbly going on, but not like, 
you know, old man CJ, like he's looking now. Um, but, uh, but no, he was, he was super humble. Um, you know, I had, I had like a, uh, I had a patch that I had bought at the New York state fair fucking at least 15 years ago. That was a, um, you, you remember like back towards, uh, like state, state fair Boulevard, there was like, there would, they put up like tents and shit. Um, it was at the very edge of the fair. Oh yeah. I know uh, exactly what you're talking about. So there, there was like, there was like, uh, uh, like a music tent, like a rock and roll music. I don't know what the fuck you'd call it, but it was just like rock band t-shirts and like patches and it was just random shit. So I, I just found that in there and it was a, it was a nineties era, uh, Ramones patch. So CJ's name was on there and you know, I had him sign it in like silver fucking pen or, you know, silver permanent marker. Of course that like absorbed into the fabric, you know, into the fabric of the patch. So you can't even fucking see it. But, um, the set was dope, man. A lot of shit off the first three records. Um, at one point, he did end up playing Outsider, which was insane because I ran into his cousin at the bar who was, like, from Vermont or something. Like, he literally woodchuck, man. Like, you could tell. He's like, oh, so, you know, you go to the store maybe a few times, you know, a year. Like, you don't get out a lot right. kind of guy. But we ended up talking bullshit at the bar because we were singing the song together. When C, he's like, CJ's like, oh, this is dedicated to my cousin. Um, and I was just, I thought it was cool, you know, you know, him playing a, a song from an era we both love, um, obviously. But, dude, the, the set was great. Um, it was fantastic. Awesome time, too. Yeah, I remember uh, you texting me, because I believe it was, like, at that point, I think you were texting me, like, you had sent me the picture with uh, you and CJ like at like 11:30 or something like that like that night and I was like oh shit like uh I was like where the fuck did you see him and you told me Vermont and I was like oh damn um but yeah that is and that's a totally just a, going back to like his reasonings for not wanting to play like say anything from Mono Bizarro or like Adios Amigos um did he play any covers that from the Acid Eaters album trying to think like short of looking it up uh off the top of my head i mean he did the typical covers like he played i'm pretty sure he did california so he, like he did the ramones covers right um from from early like their earlier releases i you know i can't say if he did any like covers from that album i don't believe that he did if memory serves me correct um i don't think he did which was interesting because I would even, I could almost see him playing like, I don't know, like Take It Easy, you know, or something like that, you know, that fucking Doors cover, you know. Yeah, um, actually, uh, you know, when, when we saw him in August, I, w I was uh, surprised and uh, pleasantly surprised to hear him do the CCR cover, Have You Ever Seen the Rain? Yeah, that was, dude, that was great. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, honestly, that was probably one of the best renditions of that song because I've heard that song covered. I'm sure you have so many times. That was probably one of the coolest renditions I've ever heard. Like hearing, obviously, we love the Ramones cover, but like hearing him and his band do it, it was like it was really cool. He, th that's one thing I really enjoy about, well, I, I, you know, both him and Richie, but with CJ, like I don't know, he has like such a he has such a great voice, and and I know in those records that he, he did with the Ramones specifically, um, specifically Mono Bizarro and, and, and obviously, um, Adios Amigos, like 
I, I think he has great backing and, and his leads are strong. And I don't know, he, he's a very unique sounding guy. I think he sounds kind of like old school, like rock and roll, folky, whatever you, however you want to spin his voice. Um, he sounds great. I, and, and you're right, like he did a great fucking cover of that CCR song, you know, that everybody's fucking covered. Everybody, oh, yeah. every fucking, every punk band, every fucking, you know, cover, rock cover band, fucking whatever. And they've all done it. He fucking crushed it. Now, I remember, I remember listening to like the, the bad chopper, like, uh, like seven inches, not having the seven inches, but listening to him on the, the early, uh, the early my early internet f- uh, phases, um, and then I know Bad Chopper put out like a full length, but I was I was so happy like in you know what whatever it was 2012 when uh, Reconquista came out, uh, and you know he actually pursued a solo career, and uh, you know at this point you know he is wrapped up the holy spell which came out last year or this past year is his uh final harats his final record and i think he's going to do shows but as far as the big tours go you know, we caught one of the last big american tours um from cj this past tour when we just saw him and and he's um he's about wrapping it up like you said it, it's funny to see especially when you have like a the image of CJ in your head he's the young Ramon and it's 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 almost like uh it's almost uh, bizarre to see him with a big gray beard in his 50s now like oh shit this was the kid of the Ramones and now he's an old man right you know CJ's older now than Joey was when he died and when I think he's older now than almost his I think he's older. He's Johnny's age now. When that from when Johnny died was Johnny f- 57? fifty seven? Fifty fifty four or fifty five? I think. Okay, okay. Yeah, I knew they were under sixty, but that's dude, that's wild. That's and Joe, Joey died at forty nine. You know, yeah, uh, yep. Month or month, month, a uh, little like a month and a few days shy of his fiftieth birthday. Old fucking Tommy, Hungarian fucking rat man, fucking lived to be in his what seventies or some shit. I I know, just like all those like potatoes he was cutting up, making Dee Dee <laughs> jealous, fucking just preserved him. Well, he could just make put together a meal, and it's like he's an adult and everything. <laughs> I wanted to do that. <laughs> so, dude, so what? Did, so what? What were your like impressions? Because like I really, I, I obviously want to talk to you specifically about that your experience seeing CJ, but also after we talk about like how you felt about the show, like I want to hear your hot take on Sharkies in Liverpool. And just oh, the boat thing, VIP, you dude, mean? It is, I, you're, you're one of the funniest dudes I know. And like, I just want to hear you describe, like paint the picture of that entire, like just what the fuck that like we both walked into, you know, like hey, we're seeing CJ, but there's all this other shit going on simultaneously <laughs> at the, you know, at this night, you know. So I think so, dude. So what do you think? What, how how was uh, how did CJ meet meet or exceed expectations in a live sense for you? So, I mean, we saw him. I believe it was a Wednesday night, or, or was it a Tuesday? Either way. Um, so we get there, you're driving in from Albany, I, I had just arrived there, and I shot you a text, 
And uh, I was just like, hey, like, because there was tiered tickets for this show, too. So there was, like, the, I think, like, a, I want to say, like, what did we pay for our tickets? Were they 25 yeah, we, we like, got a, like a, a $20 ticket was like you couldn't go behind the roped seating area. But mind you, okay, so this it, it's so hard to like we'll, we'll get into the tickets and stuff. But anyway, the the mid-level tier ticket that we bought in, in you know, gave us the opportunity to actually go to the free meet and greet of CJ. So if you paid that extra $5, you got to meet CJ before the show. Mind mm-hmm. you, the guy isn't, you know, he isn't Elton John or Billy Joel. Like, he's literally, like, hanging out after the show anyway. He was literally had, you know, he was towering Bud Lights waiting for people to walk up to him after the show. So, so anyway, I was pumped because I didn't know, like, you know, he's a, he's a grizzled young vet. Well, grizzled old vet now, but he's not trying to, like, if I was that age, I don't, I mean, I probably would because I would just, like, love the interaction with just people as far as like being fans of music and, and my music. But uh, I mean, part of me thought like, okay, he's probably not going to be hanging around. Like his joints are probably hurting. Probably. He's probably about eight or nine Bud Light limes in. like, he isn't going to want to fuck with this. Like, so I was just like, well, de- I definitely got to go to this. You know, I got the, the, the $5 extra ticket. Like I, I got to go there. So, I actually found out about that, though, like five minutes before Bridget and I left the compound here. And I was just like, because I wasn't sure if I'd get a chance to like actually interact with them and and have them sign something. So immediately the first thing I did was just like, okay, I didn't know what if Sharky's like security was going to be like dicks or anything like that. Uh, So I was just like, okay, I won't bring the Mondo Bizarro poster. I won't roll up in there with a with a with a poster tube looking like I'm delivering the flowers from Terminator two. Like, (laughs) but I was like, I was like, but I'll bring the, the, the VHS CD, uh, box, the cardboard box that holds the, we're out of here last live show box set. I'll bring that to sign. Cause that's cool. And that's kind of like CJ's gimmick too. Like, you know, the rat fink, uh, you know, guy on the front, like, I was like, that'd be cool to have him sign, so I brought that, because I literally was about to ready to walk out the door, and Bridget's like, oh, apparently there's a fucking meet and greet, and I was like, okay, perfect, and, and, and part of me, you know, part of, you know, right below the, the ball sack, I'm having, like, a little pain now thinking about this <laughs> sick Mondo Bizarro poster I have that CJ didn't sign, I'm like, motherfuck. But regardless, I have the, I got, the, I, I lined up. Of course, no one at Sharky's knows what the fuck's going on. Mind you, the people that run the place and work there, they have no clue. So anyway, we line up in this line. Uh, CJ finally rolls down. Uh, people are going through. He's, he's super nice. He's just sitting at like a fold-out, you know, Ames table. Like nothing, nothing special. He's just sitting there, he's signing stuff. I just, you know, I, I I try not to punish guys as much as I possibly can. Because one, I, I, it'd be easy for me to embarrass myself in front of a Ramon. Like, right. and I'm a pretty confident cat. Like, I'm, like, usually, like, pretty cool. But, like, at the same time, like, I'm meeting a fucking Ramon. Like, I don't care what anybody says. If someone doesn't consider CJ a Ramon, like, you know, the last seven years of their touring, 
they toured more in the last seven years than they did the previous 10 years before he was in the band. So do we really want to talk about like being a road dog and keeping the band alive, taking on vocal duties, writing songs, you know, I could go on and on about what CJ actually provided for that fucking band. Um, so if anybody doesn't think CJ Ramon or Richie Ramon for that matter, uh, isn't a real Ramon, uh, DM me, I will give you my address and, and, and I would love to punch you in the mouth, but regardless, yes, walk, uh, you know, walk in, uh, Bridget's just standing there ready to take the picture. She's like, Oh my God, another one of these fucking, and she's been all, all the horror conventions with me. So she's been there when, and I don't punish people. Like when I go, like I, I meet pinhead Doug Bradley, I'm not trying to be like, dude, would you ever sell a fucking pin from your fucking, would you ever do it? Dude? Like, cause that dude gets it, you know, he gets hammered with that. He's like, ah, how much into, you know, you know, S and M are you actually, man? Like, he's just like an older British guy that like loves motorhead and is just trying to fucking like make a, some money. And, and he is nice to his fans and stuff, but at the same time, like he gets the fucking weirdos like. Dude, what year did you lose all your hair? Like, <laughs> just the weirdest fucking like interactions ever. So I just you know, hey man, nice to meet you. Uh, pleasure. I hope you have a good day. Like, uh, so it's pretty much the same thing. I, I you know roll up to CJ's table and uh, give him a, the old handshake, and uh, you know it's like, hey man, thanks uh, thanks for everything. New records killer, and he's just like, yeah, twenty one days, twenty one days straight in the studio for this fucking thing. And, uh, and that was pretty much it. He signed my stuff and he shook, shook my hand. I told him to have a good show. He's like, yeah, man, I hope you have fun. Like, he was just super nice. Like, and like I said, I wasn't trying to be there to punish him. And, and it was summertime too. And I wish, like, I'm a pretty vain person too. So of course in the, in the photo, it looks like someone hooked a fucking hot air hose up to my ass and blew my fat ass up. Cause I literally look like if CJ took his arm off me, I'd float the fuck away. But re- Dude, that's a good picture. That's yeah, a good picture. But, but regardless, uh, it looks like I literally just fucking killed seven bar. It looked like I'm coming off a bent food bender. It looked, looked like I left eight pig roasts on Pine Ridge road. You I left the fucking, like- the Balkville fair of pig roasts and I just left. Yo, you, you, you've been living at Ponderosa in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Extra gravy on them mashed taters. But um but regardless. Um, yes, it was and it was it was so cool to see him uh at that venue because you couldn't have written like one, the set was really cool. It was a really good set. The band is soup was super tight. And, uh, and, uh, it was just, uh, it was a great atmosphere, obviously, like to be able to just stand next to your friends, like, cause obviously we had a couple other friends there too, uh, to be able to stand next to your friends and, and sing Ramon songs. Like it's, it's cool. It's fucking cool. And to he, his set, obviously, and we know my thoughts on him not playing strength to endure, Really wish that would have happened. I actually, in hindsight now, I probably should have said something to him when I met him. I'm like, listen, I know it's probably, it's not in the set list. You haven't been playing the last few cities, but can I, can I do anything to sweeten the fucking pot here? Can we get fucking strength to endure slipped in? 
And I, you ain't got to pull out, like, an old song. But I, I understand, like, he probably played that song from, like, 1992 to 1994 every single... Or 1996 every single show for, like, four or five years. But enough time's passed, man. And he, I think he played it for when he, you saw him in Vermont. Um his uh yeah i i believe you are correct about that his um his setup there um i think that was like one of i'm trying to think now i'm probably gonna end up looking it up but i think that was like one of maybe one other song from that era that he did play but i'm trying to think i think that was the only one from that time frame and uh but it, regardless, it was it was really cool to hear songs like, especially like to hear some songs that like you'd never think that CJ would like pull out to play. Like, uh, although like his backing vocals were like so memorable on like uh, you know uh, Bonzo goes to Bitburg, you know back in the live shows when they were all still alive. But like to hear him sing that song, like that was like a standout like song from his set at that Liverpool show. Um, and it was just, uh, it was, a, it was a really cool set and it was a lot of fun. It was just, everyone was having a good time. You know, there was no bullshit. There's no like fighting or anything like that. Like, I mean, I feel like, I mean, are you really going to fist fight someone? Like after you just heard, I want to be your boyfriend, like three songs ago, like probably not. But I mean, maybe back in like the eighties, like there was a little more testosterone, but they also weren't playing "I Want to Be Your Boyfriend" in the eighties, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it was it was cool for like you know to hear him play like some of those older tracks off the first three records, and then you know to hear like the standout tracks and the "I Want to Be Sedated" and and all that stuff. So it was a, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun, and it was just. Uh, but the venue, I feel like the kookiness of the venue just made it feel like it was the fucking mental hospital from psychotherapy. <laughs> because we roll up there, big, huge stage. The stage is facing towards, like, the road, because this is an outdoor venue. Mind you, that's something we haven't mentioned yet. We saw this was an outdoor venue in which we saw CJ. Right. So this big, huge stage, the front of the stage with the big fucking, like, Bud Light banner that they that they had on there and all this shit, it's facing this way. But there's a fucking cornhole tournament going on in the front of the stage. So obviously being really making sure they don't lose their buck anywhere inside. They had fucking trivia night. So they got trivia night inside in front of the stage where the band's supposed to be facing and the show's supposed to be where all the room for the people to be is, are is designated they have a motherfucking cornhole tournament going on literally and not just like two cornhole stations legit like 18 cornhole stations dude there were 36 people throwing bean bags yeah. at fucking coals <laughs> of wood and dude not to mention that in the front and side the other the front of the venue and the other side of the venue there's a fucking volleyball tournament yeah we had a volleyball, volleyball tournament too <laughs> this is all happening at the same time so like i know you had gotten there you know 
half hour, 45 minutes before I did whatever, I roll in and I just see movement. There's just, there's fucking beanbags, there's volleyballs, it's just, there's noise and people fucking everywhere, dude. It was chaos. And at first I'm like, when I roll in with my brother, I'm like, holy shit, dude, like, this is crazy. Like, wow, Syracuse fucking showed up. And then it's like, (laughs) we're walking up and I'm just like, there's a lot of people standing in front of the stage playing fucking cornhole right now. Um, so this is a little weird. Uh, I figured we'd be standing right in front of the stage. Nope. Uh, yeah, dude, it was a, it was a bizarre ass fucking setup. And dude, and not only that, but I love how they 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 made the tiered ticketing system. But it was like. There was chairs from like a banquet facility, like th- those were the seats in front of the side stage combined with like the weird shitty, like it was like bailing twine. Like you would, you would like put together a bale of hay with the ropes, like they weren't real ropes separating the sections. Yeah, they literally whatever. turned everything on the stage to stage right, like the right side of the stage, stage yeah. right. And they just played off the side of the stage. Which is fine. Which is fine. It was. Uh, it, it accommodated for what it was worth, and it made the show, I think, a little even cooler, albeit kookier. Um, altogether ooky. If you're an Adams family, uh, Adams family Mark, but uh, but a tiered ticketing price of twenty dollars, you don't get behind the bailing twine. Twenty five dollars, you do get to sit in the the fake velvet banquet seats that are four rows deep and then there's a big space between the fucking the stage and the bailing twine um the, the fucking rusty rail uh <laughs> so and then if you wanted the luxurious 50 dollar ticket oh. you could stand on the boat it was a boat vip ticket watch the show from the boat mind you the fucking Onondaga Lake, I couldn't, you know, John Elway couldn't fucking hit it, like, with a football fucking, it's forever away. So, the boat is sitting on grass, and when I say, I use the term boat lightly. Dude, that's, that's loose, loose boat. That motherfucker capsized back when Reagan was in office. It fucking... Literally had about six layers of fucking algae on it. One's been outlawed in fucking 36 of the continental states. It's sitting in, you know, probably half a football's field away from the front of the stage in which the band isn't even facing. So you wouldn't even see any part of the band at all if you were on the VIP $50 ticket boat seating. I was just like, because honestly, I was just like, do I, like, when we were buying tickets, I I remember texting you, I was like, hey, I just grabbed my ticket, so it's, there's three different tiers of tickets, I just got the $25 ones, because it said, like, you know, value, or they had, like, the value seat, and then the premium seat, and then the VIP boat seat, and I was just like, I don't know what the fucking VIP boat seat is, I ain't trying to be, like, sitting restrained on a boat anyway, like, I'll get the $25 ticket, like, and, you know, I'll probably be this close to the stage as I possibly can with that. Not knowing that a boat that's literally sitting on land, like, where they bring in, like, pictures of fucking, like, 
Fruitopia over there? Like, what was even fucking going on? No one was. No one fell for the fucking fifty dollars VIP boat ticket though, because not one person was on there. Dude, that thing was all fucking lopsided. Like, you know, <laughs> it wasn't even presentable in the least. Did you know they like backed that boat in, and like some guy was like, "Fuck it, I'm just leaving it here." And they're and Shark is like, "Well, you know, we can uh, we can try to capitalize on this uh, in some way, shape, or form." It was, there was like weeds all growing behind it. Like there's dude, there's probably like all sorts of bugs and shit in there. Like it was not it was not well kept. Like I, I'm sure they do that every show. They're like, "Oh, you know, we have the VIP boat." Um, you know, it's a little bit more expensive, and they hope. Like, they that's the reason that they would go and clean that shit up, is if somebody paid money for the boat. But so far, no one fucking has since that place has been open. And you know that when Sharky's, like, purchased that property, like, the owner, the boat came with the venue. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like like you said, it capsized in the Reagan era. Um, they, they haul it there during the Clinton administration, and it just is set there. You know, and we're talking like first term Clinton era. You know, that, that boat's just been chilling there, looking like shit, taking up space, and uh, no one's falling for it. So, yeah, dude, just what a kooky, I think, is, is, the, is the right word for that fucking show, dude. So I think at some point, I think we should just live podcast and call up Sharkies if they have those VIP boat tickets. Talk to the manager oh, and see dude, what yes. and see yes. what, see what the VIP boat ticket entails. Like here, oh oh, our waiters Fred and Janice will be bringing out fried pickles to the VIP boat section. <laughs> fried pickles, I like how fried pickles. It's not like it's not like chicken wings or like mott sticks. It's no, like, it'd be no, fried like, fucking pickles. <laughs> fried pickles. Oh fuck, dude. Okay, so. So now that you put that out into the fucking ether, we uh, we need to do that. But we like that. If, if the one thing I will ask, like, I want to be there in person when we do. Oh, it. for sure. Because like, okay, all right, dude, that's perfect, wonderful. I love it. I love it. But regardless, yeah, seeing CJ it was it was it was really awesome, and because he's so personable too, being able to like. Because after the show, obviously, uh, you were you were running behind because you were trekking your ass from Albany and then picked your brother up. Um, you know, but you were able to walk right up to him and I like how you sent your brother. You're like, go get that CD booklet from the car now. <laughs> He's just like, okay. Well, like it was, dude, it was one of those things where like, because I like wasn't a hundred percent sure, like I had to go pick his ass up at my parents and the fucking goofballs take forever to get ready, and he's like, he's like, well, I don't know what I should wear. Like he's, you know, he's a, he's a fucking frat kid, college boy. You know, he's a great he's a great guy. I fucking love him, but he's a fucking goof sometimes. And he's like, he's upstairs, like getting like quote unquote getting ready. Mind you, this this asshole's had fucking all day to get ready, and it's like my ass is flying in from Albany. The idea is I'm gonna swoop by, text you, I'm in the driveway, and you're gonna fucking come run out to the car and we're gonna leave a total of 16 seconds in theory just about like there shouldn't even be enough time for the oil from my car to drip onto the fucking <laughs> like driveway you know it's that quick so I, I i pull up i think i even called him when i got off the throughway in canastota i'm like hey i was like i'm i'm, I'm off the room in canastota i'm like i'm like 15 minutes away whatever like will you be ready he's like oh you know i gotta get in the shower or some shit it's like motherfucker it's like it's like five in the afternoon like what do you mean get in the shower like okay 
I, I fucking, I roll up and he's like, still, he's like, dude, just come in. I'm getting ready. I, I, I go inside. I'm talking with my mom and my stepdad. You know, we're just kind of bullshitting. The motherfucker walks to the edge of the loft and he's got like, I think he's got like fucking like, he, he's got like tan fucking like pant like cargo pants on with with flip flops and like a fucking I don't even know like some dumb frat shirt it, nothing against whatever but he he just in in a backwards hat or whatever I'm like Christian I'm like I'm not gonna be that guy that's like yo just put on something else but like just fucking put on something else man like <laughs> anything else anything else so like he's he i hear him in his room he's like dude i got a i got a jean vest or something i don't know i got a vest and i was like all right just put it on and it's like i mean you saw it it's like fucking so american flag painted yeah. fucking jean vest and i was like i saw it i was like all right well you gotta wear that now like that's coming with us you know <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, dude, so, so I didn't, I was totally unaware of the breakdown and how this was all going to work. So when I saw him just kind of, he was accessible after the show. Like he said, I sent Christian to media. I'm like, dude, I was like, go. I was like, there's in the middle console. I've got my CDs, the shit I'm listening to right now in the car. I was like, there's, <laughs> there's an album in there. Mondo Bizarro, the, the cover is a little weird looking. I was like, Johnny thought it was terrible album cover. I was like, go and get it. Um, and I'll have him sign it. And, uh, fucking, and that was another like weird, like thing about that show is I didn't have a permanent marker to have him sign my shit. So like, even when I was like, Hey, can I get a picture? Thank you for the show. Like that whole rigmarole, um, no fucking permanent marker available, like to have him sign it. And it was just that weird, awkward, like moment where he was like, nah, I don't have one. And I was like, ah, fuck. Like, I know you want to get out of Liverpool, New York. Like, I don't want to keep you here any longer. You've already went to hides earlier. So you basically have seen everything you can to see in fucking Liverpool, New York. Oh, that's it. You've seen it all. The life on the lake isn't even up yet. You're ready to get the fuck out of there. You know, that would be maybe another like 20 minutes that you'd stick around to maybe drive by. But like, Nah, you've already, like I said, you already went to hide. So I didn't get in, I didn't get a chance to have him sign that, although it was there and I had it like in my fucking hands. Um, but yeah, he was, he was kind enough afterwards and, you know, he took the photo with me and all that and I thanked him and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I could tell, dude, they were looking to get the fuck out of Dodge. Like they did not want to be in there any longer. And that's what I found was, was kind of weird to me is I, I couldn't believe. And I was talking with dog party. Um, cause I had asked him, I was like, Oh, you got, I wish you guys took the tour to fucking Albany. Like, I know that there was a handful of venues that they could, that a promoter could have put you in and you would have had a different turnout. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause the, obviously the scene here and the scene there is a little different. Um, but like, I just, and they're like, oh, we actually stayed in Albany last night, like the night before they came into Syracuse. So it was like, ah, motherfuckers, you guys could have stopped here. Like, no excuse, you know, drop the ball, Albany fucking weirdos, promoters, Jay Crack, you drop the ball, bro. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I could definitely tell they were look they were itching to fucking leave Syracuse in their fucking rear view, you know? Right. So, um. So yeah, all, overall it was uh it was awesome to see Richie uh or see CJ rather. Um yeah, my first time, your second. Um but I I guess, you know, we'll move on to uh to Richie. I'd caught Richie at the Lost here locally. 
uh, back in 2014, February. And, uh, uh, you know, super nice afterwards. Like, literally, he played, like, a fucking awesome set. Like, uh, great list of songs. Classic Ramon songs. A lot from his era. Uh, some covers. Uh, some of his stuff that was on his untitled record at that point. Or entitled record, rather. Um, and uh, it was a great set. And I, I've told you about it a million times. And uh, about how great it was, and how like immediately he literally beelined for the for the merch, and then just started signing people's stuff, and was super nice. So I was excited that you were finally going to see him because our love for Richie uh, runs deep, and we've you know we've discussed it a million times uh, on this podcast about how much we love and appreciate Richie. Um, and you know I appeared on that Ramones podcast, uh, Ramones of the Day. And they were uh, even, like, I, they had not encountered someone that was a Richie diehard the way, like, say, you or I are Richie diehard. So even to them, it was like, uh, it was outer space for how much uh, I loved Richie or, or, you know, anybody like us that would love Richie. And they are out there, but they're they're few and far between, especially uh, as the years go on. Uh, but, you know, I was obviously excited. I, we, I drove out. Uh, your way and we departed from Albany to see to catch Richie in Worcester mm-hmm. and uh, again another amazing venue that I had not been to yet dude how cool is Ralph's Rock Diner amazing one of the best venues I've ever, if I was going to form a if I was going to start a venue from the ground up I don't think I could do it better than what Ralph's is so so it's it's I, I just very very briefly because again you are the master of setting the scene and painting a picture like I need to hear your hot take on this venue like rolling up to the venue because like same thing for me when I went there because the first time I went there was actually I'd only been there I think maybe once or twice prior or twice yeah it was twice I had been there twice prior to this I believe at that point it was um, a queer show right queer queers and uh, teenage ball rocket. I saw out there and I immediately TBR was the first show I saw there. And same thing after the first time, I was just like, wow, I fucking love this venue. This is one of the coolest places I've ever fucking been. Like it's, I can't. So, so I want to hear your hot take on it briefly, just describing this fucking venue. So we literally Richie couldn't have picked a better time to, so we roll in. We, there's a we roll in like a, honestly like a perfect time we, we go grab some grub um and then we head over and we go on the, this show is booked the same night as the Terminator double feature that's being shot on the the building next to it outside of Ralph's so there's like a movie they do movie nights there so we're walking down this like alley it literally looks like we're walking up to the double deuce in Roadhouse <laughs> And it's completely dark. It's with two buildings, literally like down like a wide driving driveway, gravel, like alley. And back in it sits Ralph's, where there's no real signage that you can see. There's no like nice, beautiful neon sign. There's just like a little like red, dimly lit Ralph's diner. Like, so we walk in there. Of course, uh, as fate would have it, of Terminator double features upon us. So I'm like, oh my god, could we even ask for anything cooler? <laughs> so 
roll up in there. There's like the outside literally looks like, you know, like half a pole barn got took down. There's like cement slabs. People are just like smoking their cigs there. People are just chilling. So we walk in and then there's the diner portion where it's an actual diner in the front. There's no real lighting anywhere in the entire venue, which is amazing, which I love because I'm not a fan of lights. So there's no real lighting. The diner literally looks like it's, uh, you know, they're shooting like, you know, Tales from the Crypt episode three from season four in there right now. We walk, we walk in, we pass the bar, we go down like three little steps into like another bar area. There's a fucking WCW NWO 19, or N64 revenge in arcade form, which I'd never seen sitting there because I was like, oh my fucking God, this is amazing. Literally walk down to like the end of this bar. There's a guy sitting on a stool, you know, stamps our hands to, to see our fucking our ticket or whatever. Uh, they had electric scanning ticket. I didn't even think they scanned our electric scan ticket. They just looked at it. They're like, yeah, yeah, okay. He, they crossed their names off on a list. Yeah. Like, he, he knew everyone who bought it online. Yeah. Like, he's just like, who bought the tickets? And I was like, ah, it's under Smith. And he's like, all right, you guys are good. Stamp the hand. Walk upstairs. <laughs> fucking quick. So, yeah, walk up. You know, super punk rock stairway. Stickers everywhere. Dirty, dingy. Just how I like it. We get up there. There's a fucking neon time to fuck sign at the bar. <laughs> there's like weird. It literally looked like, I don't even know, like a spider baby. It's not, not a spider baby. A big, huge, like, I don't even know, like, lumberjack man fucking type thing that looks like it's outside of Joel's steakhouse. <laughs> there's, like, a fucking, like, a bicycle. There's, like, a skeleton. It's all shit just hanging from the ceiling. It was literally, like, the most amazing venue, like, of all time. The way I describe it is, that, like, it's it's the, like, upstairs storage attic of, like, the accumulation of about 35 years worth of, like, you know, CHS's fucking, like, drama department. Just, like, exactly. drops and fucking, there's, like, a giant eyeball. Like, it, it, it is, li- like, weird signs, apart from the neon time to fuck sign, just weird, like, the metal signs, like, shit they've, they've just acquired throughout the fucking years. And it, it's, it is strange. But it's, a, it's at the same time, like, the... The fucking appeal, you know, there there definitely is, there's a charm to it because it puts you kind of in that mode. And everyone there, for the most part, like between between the three shows that I've I've been to, um, as far as like the people who go there, like the the, the people who are attracted to the show, maybe it's you know the uh, the citizens of fucking Massachusetts and or fucking Wormtown. Um, it's, everyone seems to be pretty cool, you know. There, there, I haven't run into any douchebags, you know. Knock on wood, yeah. Um, but everyone seems to be fucking cool. So, so anyway, I'll let you. I'll let you continue. Um, if you had anything else to contribute about the venue, because I definitely want to talk about like his set and how it compared to when you saw him in Syracuse and um, you know how he sounded and all that stuff, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that the venue is just amazing, and like I said, we. So we roll up to the merch, you know, we're like the first people there to buy merch. We're, we're going to get loaded up now, so we ain't got to worry about it after the show. Uh, so we load up, we probably drop over 100 between the two of us. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, had the, he already had like pre-signed posters there, which was smart. 
Um, but yeah, and then, I mean, how, uh, you know, I'm, we're, we'll jump right into it. What was your, being able to see Richie and see the set that he played, you know, good, kind of go through, you know, your thoughts and feelings on, on seeing this, this Richie set. I, I think I just said CJ, but, uh, uh, but yeah, seeing this Richie set and finally seeing Richie. So it was, it was surreal. Um, it, it, it was really weird to me that every member, I think besides Tommy and we'll say maybe Mark, um, I don't know about John, I think he's mid-level, but um, everyone's a fucking monster. They're all tall as fuck, dude. They're, they're, they're huge. So to see him in person on stage, not only towering over the audience, but switching between singing lead vocals front frontman style and then going behind the drums and singing frontman style multiple times throughout the, the set was incredible uh I, I don't think i've ever seen anything like that in general he, he had fucking high energy the entire time um for for a guy that's definitely well into his 50s maybe even i mean is he yeah really i think he's i think he's at this point i think he's in his early 60s i think he's 61 or 62 okay um I mean, just tireless, you know, and as far as like the song selection, um, I, I fuck it. So chasing the night, I know we've talked about this a little bit that that's one of my fave like tracks. One of, I use that term very loosely, but to, to have him sing that play drums at the same time, like it was just, it was wonderful to be able to see that. And, and what I also like too, is he didn't stray away from like getting directly into the audience's face um for 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 especially when he obviously when he was you know front manning it um and just doing vocals um he was feeding off the audience's energy which that that's one thing now having seen cj twice um he didn't because he's playing bass at the same time right it's a little it's a little difficult for him to fucking like you know play the bass with one hand take the mic with the other and fucking do like a henry rollins thing where he's like screaming in someone's fucking eyes you know like he can't do that shit um but but richie for 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 a man in his 60s uh you know a, a a ramon like to see him do that shit hand off the mic um you know and let let people kind of take the vocals like it's just fucking it was unreal. It was it was just creepy to see him singing over us. Like it was it was amazing, dude. It was so great. One dude, like one of the best shows, fucking just in general, just that I've ever been to. Like it's fucking easily easily top ten fucking best performances, man. Just high energy the whole fucking time. And he brought it. The dude kicked through his bass drum at one point. Yeah, fucking repair it on stage. Like holy fuck, man. Talk about energy, high fucking energy the whole time. It was amazing. And I, I know we had talked about it, like, I think, like, walking out of the venue. Like, we kind of just mentioned it to each other. But, uh, you know, I'd be, you know, morally remiss if we didn't mention that there, wa- there was, like... I mean, the whole entire set was special. And honestly, I think it was better than his Syracuse set. Um, But there was... um. You know, and that's something that impressed me too was uh, going back and forth between singing and playing drums, and then being the front man and having keeping that same energy. Especially, you know, now being sixty-two years old. Um, but uh, like I said, I'd be morally remiss if I didn't mention that the this it was a special song. Hearing "I Want to Live" 
and him like singing, you know, getting the mic right to you and I and us being able to sing that with like you and I sung I Want to Live with Richie Ramone. Like, I mean, it sounds like, you know, we're being like Marks, but we are for the for the Ramones. We we truly are. So being able to have that, that was such a special song for that set. And it was such a special moment to be able to you and I have been friends for a long, long time and like have bonded slowly through like the Ramones, like so much. And it's like I said, we can't even talk about a fucking silver bullet without bringing up the Ramones. Um, so, and, and not Bob Seger and the silver bullet band with the 1985 <laughs> Stephen King adaptation, silver bullet that is. Uh, so being able to see that and experience that and be a part of singing, I want to live with Richie Ramone. That was like so fucking cool and so fucking special, and it was just—it was the highlight of the show for me. Well, he definitely, um, and, and like I said, when he was going, going back and forth and, and handing the mic off, he definitely targeted where we were standing specifically for that song, because, like you said, it's like we sang that with him, and I know, like, I know some people, even Ramones fans in general, might be like, well, you know, that, dude, that's cool, but like. That was fucking badass. Like that was amazing. Yeah. Because because it, it was it was awesome. I think I said this when we were in the car, even or maybe you maybe I believe you're correct too. Even when we were walking to the vehicle, but like it, it's cool to see a guy like that appreciative and just smiling. You know, watching us sing it, it's like motherfucker. It's like we're here because of you. We're here because of the band. You know all that shit. But like it was just it was intense. That was an intense set from start to fucking finish. It was an intense set, and being able to sing that, like, with him, it was fucking incredible, dude. It was incredible. And he just, like, he played, like, everything I think I wanted to hear I heard from him, you know? Can't say anything nice, you know, chasing the night, howling at the moon, uh, I mean, he, and then, you know, playing, like, you know, the hats, Blitzkrieg, Bop, uh, uh, he just literally hit, like, everything that you would want to hear, and plus everything that you would want to hear from like his era too. Like he just, you, you know, uh, I, it was just, it was, it was, it was really fucking cool to see. I thought it was pretty wild. Cause like did, he did do, he did do fucking animal boy. Yeah. <laughs> did well. do animal boy. <laughs> it's just, that was, and I know we've obviously we covered that like on the podcast, but, um, I've, I've definitely had a little bit more of an appreciation for that just as an aside. Um, Cause I know, I think initially it said like, you know, the tracks on those, the tracks that are good are really good. The tracks are, you know, a little weaker or weaker, but um, overall I think it's, it's, it's not a bad album. I, I don't think I ever thought it was a bad album, but um, I've gained much more of an appreciation for it. And now even more so having seen him live, um, and, and getting that full experience, it's like, yeah, I can, obviously I can still dig this, this album. Um, so dude, so I wanted to ask you, cause I know that you're, you're a Depeche Mode guy, dude. So what did you think of his cover? Like the first time you heard it and then seen it being performed live. So when that second, um, that second full length of his came out, I was, I immediately saw, uh, you know, cellophane, uh, I immediately saw that they did enjoy the silence 
huge Depeche Mode mark. I was so pumped to see that and hear it, and I love the recording of it. And then the live version of it was even better than the recording. And it was just so powerful and so awesome. I, uh, I, I like, to how he has, you know, obviously he has one of his, uh, his bandmates or whatever. Didn't that guy that was playing drums, his basically his drum tech and the other drummer, did he not also play guitar for a handful of songs? Or is that somebody else? Because I know he had kind of this, like, besides the bass player, um, everyone was pretty set, right, in, in the instruments that they were playing. And maybe... It, well, the other, no, dude, he had that guitarist that looked like he was straight out of fucking like LA Guns or something. Yeah, right? uh, GG like, Sleaze, he is yeah, his name. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that guy, talk about creatures! Holy fuck, dude, I, I love seeing those guys too. Like, even whether it's walking around the venue beforehand or whatever, it's like, yep, you you play in a band, uh, you, you stick out like a sore thumb. That fucking like fucking mop a hair on your goddamn head like it's like 2019 and i just i love seeing that shit because we got some dudes like that out in albany too where it's like huh it's like all right so dude what do you do during the day you know (laughs) he he actually he's been in a few different bands as far as the touring member and, and that guitarist is actually from the um the texas uh area i think he's from dallas i want to say or maybe san antonio um but he's actually he's played with a bunch of different bands and stuff um so i like half recognized him um but yeah i mean a great player too uh really just he knocked it out of the park hell yeah hell yeah dude the the whole and and i think too they had a good they have good synergy i I, I don't know if you had mentioned this or, or like confirmed it or whatever, but like, I don't know the, I, I know the bass player has been part of the band, like recording wise. I believe you and I again talked about this in the car, but I'm wondering how, like, as far as the people who helped re- him record the fir- his two records versus the touring band. Cause like, obviously that synergy, that's something you want to keep up as much as you can to, in a touring sense. It's like, we recorded this, we know the songs, and now we're playing them live. We, we just put together this record, now we're going to go perform it. You guys already know the songs. No one has to learn anything extra. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how much crossover was there. But, no, dude, the set was fucking, the set was fan-fucking-tastic. And not only that, it's like, for me, I know you got to meet him at the Syracuse show and, and obviously you got to see him again, like after the show and all that shit, but, but just seeing him and, and having that interaction and just fucking fucking tall motherfucker. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> or whatever the fuck he said. Cause I had that fucking too tough to die promo. That yeah. I like we're we're those assholes like bringing like records oh like yeah said, like poster tube it's just like I, I i did see people kind of bringing stuff but i i don't know i didn't i saw i saw people having him sign his shit like we were like those guys are like we're gonna go out to the like the the dude working the doors like oh, motherfucker these goddamn new yorkers are going out to their cars again probably thought we were fucking like smoking dope or something it's like nope we're going to get these things that we brought with us yeah you know to have them signed. yeah uh, what was your thoughts on actually meeting him uh you know because he, he was obviously exhausted because he's 62 year old uh man 
I I was I was very impressed to see him out there, and he was just super like super humble. But what I noticed because when he walked out from his little green room, I noticed that he kind of was like sitting there. Like we were like one of the first, maybe what like five people that actually got to be like, oh hey, uh, Rich, like th- thanks for the show, great work. Um, I-, I thought it was great because he genuinely looked happy. You know, and he might oh, have been yeah. hitting. He might have been hitting For his sure. little vape pen. You know, smoking a little weed. I'm sure he was. But, but as far as like, as far as like him being appreciative, like he genuinely looked happy to meet everybody and and shake their hands and fucking take pictures and have them sign stuff. Like that to me, like that seals the deal. Like as far as like this makes the show because obviously the performance, the setup, the venue, um, you know, the set list itself, like everything was was perfect. But then that capped it all off. It's like you're not that guy that's just there like, fuck, when, you know, when the fuck we getting out of here? I got to be in Connecticut tomorrow, wherever I got to be in fucking Rhode Island tomorrow. Like he, he was genuinely like happy to see everyone. It was wonderful. And meeting him, too. And. Because, like, I, I'm in that same boat, too. I, I try not to smother people when I'm talking to them, like, pe- people of that stature. You know, somebody that you've you've worshipped and put on this weird pedestal growing up. So it was just like, hey, thanks very much for the music. Like, the set was fantastic. This is, you know, this has been great. And then having him sign something. Just the, the minimal interaction that I had. It was, dude, it was great meeting him. Fucking... Did not look, did not look exhausted. A little sweaty, but did not look exhausted at all. You know, he's just. Maybe. I mean, to to be able to do that at his age, at that level, <clears throat> especially coming off heart surgery too, because this tour was postponed. It was initially going to be like a month or so, like prior or two months prior. I, yeah, I think, dude. I think it was even. I want to say it was even. Was it more than like? July? It might even been spring. I think, I think the show was supposed to happen. May or July or something, and, and it's funny. They, I believe they were actually so the the show that we saw, we got to see Wimpy Rutherford and the Cryptics. So they did an opening set with him, and originally it was supposed to be um, the show that was back in May or fucking July or whatever April. It was supposed to be um, oh fuck Danny Vapid and the Cheats, I believe, and Danny Vapid. Um, of Screeching Weasel fame. I'm pretty sure. It, it was some weird, there was some weird tie-in uh, with Screeching Weasel, but I'm pretty sure Danny Vapid, I think it was in the Chiefs, I think that's his current iteration. I think he, they were one of the opening bands. So it was interesting to see now Wimpy of the Queers, because obviously there's a huge, there's a lot of, you know, crossover between both Queers and Screeching Weasel, because Ben and, and Joe are like really good friends and they've rotated between you know, musicians that they played with together and wrote songs and all that shit. But, um, yeah, I think, I think start to finish, dude, it was just, I'm glad you got to see the venue. And we also, I'm glad we also obviously got to see Richie together. That was fucking, that was huge. That was a big deal. That was a big deal to me. It really was. So, um, so I, I get, I guess, uh, to talk a little bit, uh, to, to cap this off, uh, talk a little bit about their, their um <clears throat> both CJ and Richie talk about their uh their albums um what are i mean for me i love all four of CJ's records um but American Beauty does stand out to me yeah i i think i think between the two as far as 
as far as the tracks themselves in in how they sound and work together um nothing against holy spell i think it's a fucking phenomenal record but i've noticed the the flow of the album at least for american beauty to me um it moves at a different pace and i think overall the songs from that especially having seen him on that tour so obviously the shit that he played from his repertoire was basically that record um and then with holy spell on this tour same thing you know what i think he did like three like three or four tracks off that correct yeah yeah um those are the two albums I can speak to as far as like the material that I like, but I, I have to agree with you. Um, I, I like American beauty a lot, not just because it was the first time I got to see him like on that tour, but, um, you know, having picked up that album, um, you know, at his show when I saw him in Vermont and then picking up Holy spell at that show in Syracuse when we saw him. Um, yeah, I've, I've spent a little bit more time with, uh, with that record. And I, I think it's, it, it, it's it's not that the not that holy spells bad um but it's just it moves it moves a little bit more in, into the vein of, of when i'm like yeah this is cj you know yeah like i do i do love that song um you know that steve soto track that he did yeah rock uh, on you know yeah I, I, like that's fantastic um but yeah but overall dude i mean american american beauty is fucking <laughs> really good I, i'm really big on uh I mean, I love all, <clears throat> I love all the records. I love uh, Reconquista. Uh, I I Last love Chance Last Chance to Dance. Dance is awesome. Like especially the track Last Chance to Dance that feels like something that the Ramones actually should have had in a song. Like that song, we should have got out of CJ earlier so they could have played that because that is like a a pure gold Ramones track. See, I I wonder, and in, in, I'm sure he, like. If I were to guess, this would probably be something he never really would share. But, like, I'm wondering if, and this is a big if, I'm wondering if some of these tracks he's had kind of in the bank for a while. You know, like, I'm wondering if there are any B-sides of any of this shit. Or, like, like if there's any B-sides of One High, One Low. Where he's right. like, oh, yeah, I, I did demo this with these guys i tried to contribute and it was kind of like eh, you know we'll pass on this one or you know maybe on the next one like i'm wondering if there are any of these um and, and again like i said it's a very big if but uh but i'm wondering if i'd love for that to come out um you know in fucking 20 years or something when when fucking linda decides to release her fucking claws from something that's like well here's a bunch of b-side shit from that era of Ramones, you know, like that would be cool. I, I, I would find that very interesting to hear them fucking demo some of that shit. Give me uh give me some of your favorite CJ recorded tracks off these uh, four full lengths. Uh, dude, CJ, you want, so I can, so I will, I, I'll be fucking straight up. Uh, Reconquista and like last chance to dance apart from like listening to them digitally. Cause I do not own them. I am not going to be able to speak to those as well. I've done like a couple listens throughs between the, between last chance to dance and Reconquista. I, I like Reconquista. I, I would say a little better just because it sounds a little bit more raw. Um, and a little quicker. It sounds a little bit more like a, a punk record. If recollection serves me well. Um, but as far as, between American Beauty and uh, and Last Chance or in uh, Holy Spell, dude. I mean, fucking girlfriend in a graveyard is hilarious. 
and oh, that's one great. that he did. That, that's that's one he did, I believe, up in uh, in Vermont. And it's just, I don't know. I, I love all that shit. Run around, dude. Steady as she goes, like all that shit. It's it's these are these are great fucking. And when I say higher energy, I mean in the sense that you know uh, a, a mid to late fifties punk rocker high energy this is i'm not talking like this isn't like a descendants energy this is what cj is going to do his take on rock and roll and and his brand of punk rock because i do think he he taps into especially in holy spell he taps a little bit more into like uh and i hate using this term but like he taps a little bit more into like roots rock and roll yeah americana rock and roll correct whereas whereas american american beauty that's it, it obviously there's a lot of those elements, but he still keeps some teeth to it. You know, like, right. let's go, let's go is a rock and roll song. He had its core. It's, it's a straight up fucking stripped down rock and roll song. And, uh, I love hearing that. I love hearing that on the record, seeing it live. Let's go. is just like, that's fucking, yeah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, some standout tracks for me, uh, cause I do, uh, I've spent enough time with all, all the records. Um, I, I really like three angels from, uh, Reconquista, um, obviously about Johnny, Joey and Dee, Dee. Like that was just so, so cool. It's a nice little tribute. Um, and I was, I was a really big fan of that one. Um, as far as, uh, last chance to, to dance, I love the title track. I love uh, Mr. Uh, Kalashnikov. Uh, those are just like standout tracks. I just love those ones so much. I think that they're, they, he just, they are really solid records. Um, American Beauty, uh, Run Around is such a fun fucking song. Uh, like you said, Girlfriend in the Graveyard is another one. Uh, uh, Be a Good Girl uh, and Moral of the Story were, were two tracks too that were like back-to-back tracks that I, that I love. Um, from American Beauty, and then uh, Holy Spell, uh, One High and One Low is like such a fun opening track. Um, and then I'm trying to think, uh, like Stand Up, uh, I do like, and Blue Blue Skies, Blue Skies is definitely my favorite off that uh, record. Uh, just like a cool, cool pop punk rock song, I love it. Yeah, his, because uh, he also... He definitely did. He so he worked with Bill Stevenson from Descendants on that on Holy Spell, correct? I think I remember seeing him in the studio recording it. Maybe not. I could be wrong about that, but I know because it was released through Fat Records, and I know it, I, I'm pretty sure that like Descendants, like their last uh, their last record, and they did subsequent re-releases. They're with Fat now too. Um, so I'm wondering if Bill Stevenson. Uh, the drummer from Descendants. I'm wondering if he had anything to do with that. So I'm pretty sure I saw him some studio like photos with him sitting there doing some mixing or um, doing some editing. So it's cool that you know, obviously, to to cap off his solo career, as he had you know explained in that uh, podcast that you had sent me to listen to. Um, you know, he made the announcement like you know this is it as far as CJ Ramon solo is concerned doesn't mean he's going to stop playing music but um you know as far as his solo stuff like that's it you know uh, as far as um as far as uh you know his solo stuff yeah i i know he toured with the aquabats uh a bunch 
I, I do hope that him and Richie do get together and do some shows as, uh, you know, the, you know, just paying tribute to the Ramon songs. I would love to see them both, like, playing together Ramon songs. Oh, yeah, and, and right now he's actually in the midst of a tour. Um, well, I use that term loosely. I think it's like a series. It's a string of, like, four or five, like, Christmas shows. Um, he's been doing, and he did it before, too, with uh, Me First in the Gimme Gimme. Is that, like, yep. rock punk rock cover band uh super group or whatever um so it's cool to see him still doing that because that looks like a lot of fun you know and i think at this point like he's obviously always had fun but this is a different thing where it's like i get up there i play fucking cover songs of rock pop country whatever i do it with a punk rock flair we dress up like fucking like 70s fucking lounge singers and we get get a little shitty get a little tipsy and fucking have fun with it you know like Hell good, yeah. good good for fucking him dude you fucking deserve it you deserve it you know so what from the richie the two richie records uh what are some of your favorite uh tracks so like obviously like braggadocio's fucking great um oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> love it dude dude hearing the story in that Eric Blair interview, I'm pretty sure it was in the Eric Blair interview, yeah. where he described, I fixed this, like he described what that song is about. I'm, I think it was from there. Um, that weird like tour manager was like, oh, I fixed this. I fixed this. Yeah, like, oh, it's wrong. so like, fucking good. Dude, hearing the song, you know, obviously accompanying that, um, it, he, I just, I like the fact, like, he is, he does such a good job of pulling from his like weird experiences because like you know that that song in particular um, is something that like his touring band and like his tour you know his touring musicians like that is an inside joke and I love that I love that he's worked that into a song because like when he wrote it he's probably like, dude let's fucking write a song about fucking Fwad or whatever his name is yeah. you know like our touring guy like I fixed this like it's just that's that is fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely those two tracks. Um, so, what is it? Entitled or yeah? Yeah. Entitled. I have not spent a lot of time with. I think I listened to it digitally. Um, so I, I, I can't even fucking like pull a fucking track out of my ass right now. And I know you're gonna mention like two or three of them. Be like, oh shit, yeah, those. Um, but he, yeah, from 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 those definitely Braggadocio is fucking hilarious as fuck, and uh, I I just love my fixes. I think it's fucking it's great, and uh, pretty poison is that that would oh great song one. that is an I, older song that was a song he wrote during the Ramones that he never used. No shit. Yep. See, in that to me, like that could easily I could easily hear Joey crooning over that like that. Oh yeah. Fucking that's a Ramon song. Um, yeah, dude, those three, I think, for me, uh, on that record are, are standout. Because Pretty Poison, uh, you know, you can... The, the way he delivers the lyrics, obviously, in his in his strange way of doing so, but it's just great content. It's fucking... It's relatable. <laughs> exactly. Know? It's relatable. So, um... So tracks uh, from Entitled that I mean the, the he obviously does like some some you know rehashes like Smash You, uh, I'm Not Jesus, Humankind, um, and those are awesome. And on the vinyl, if you can pick up this vinyl, please do it because he re-records uh, somebody put something in my drink, and that is a is an awesome re-record. Um, but from Entitled, uh, I really like uh, take obviously without saying you know Smash You, I'm Not Jesus, Humankind, which are obviously songs i love but uh take my hand is really uh really good and uh 
Forgotten Years is really good. And Forgotten Years is almost like, I think, I don't know if it's like what he's actually talking about, but it really, I, I mean, I don't, I think it's just a bunch of things that he's talking about. Cause I think it's like, you know, when he's like not in the Ramones anymore and he's like a, you know, a forgotten guy. Or I don't know if he's, you know, when he was in the Ramones and like people kind of glaze over his career in the Ramones and he talks about that that era of the Ramones being forgotten. But if anything, I hope us uh, screaming, I want to live back to him. I hope he knows that that era is uh, alive and well in our hearts and definitely not forgotten. Well, I also have to give you props, too, because your uh, delivery of uh, what was it the last part of the uh, second verse in smash you when he essentially handed you that mic that video oh yeah it's it's on it's floating within instagram dude it's fucking spot the fuck on dude it sounds so fucking good well spend half our life singing and we got to know something right (laughs) it just sounded dude it sounded fucking great so i got did awesome because he knew like i said he was working the fucking stage he knew who was singing yeah exactly he knew knew which people or which little gaggles i Um, knew who the true fans were i knew i knew who they were (laughs) i could i could i could i could sense them is what i could Uh, but yeah, off uh, cellophane, like Braggadocio is just so fucking fun. Pretty poison, uh, just really cool. And he actually put out a, he actually put out a, a track said uh, called the last time about the his father dying. That was really fuck really cool fucking song. Uh, and that was just like a single, and it was really cool. And he did play that when we. Yeah, saw he it. did. Yep. Because yeah. he had said it, I, I'm pretty sure he had said it. You know, this this song was written for my father. You know, he had some explanation maybe he didn't but like I, I i remember him saying something um on stage about like kind of addressing it a little bit yeah um which has got to be rough but yeah dude fucking great track great track he has the ability to be intense and fucking you know light-hearted fucking... all at the same time yes exactly exactly but uh yeah that just about does it but i mean we can't really stress enough how much uh we love both uh cj and richie I mean, Richie is obviously probably uh, just as overlooked, if not more, than CJ, and uh, they shouldn't be because they're amazing musicians, amazing songwriters, amazing contributors. Uh, you know, the only two other Ramones out of the four, five, six, seven Ramones, you know, not counting Elvis, um, that can two of the three non-original members from the seven that contributed to songwriting. Contributed to songwriting, but also to me, and, and this even speaks more volumes. They've maintained a career afterwards, and they've put out multiple records now of their own material. Yeah, they, they've and, sustained on their own merits, not just on the name of the Ramones. Right, and I and I think that that's to me that's a big deal. Um, you know, as far as they're not they're not doing a karaoke show. Um, you know, they're not touring fucking South America doing karaoke shows of like Ramon stuff where it's just straight up here's an hour of every single Ramon's fucking track you know they're right. they're out there they're sprinkling it in but they're also playing their own stuff they're repping their own fucking mind which I fucking love and that that to me says it speaks volumes over some of the other single member that's left that uh, is just doing a karaoke track you're a karaoke set you know yeah exactly so uh 
but yeah, that just about does it. You've uh, listened to uh, yet again uh, uh, an additional hour and twenty minute plus uh, Ramones talk from Mister Lewis Smith and myself for the Heart Guide Media Podcast. Uh, but yeah, uh, check out uh, check out Lou's band on if you're into some uh, some good old fashioned punk rock um, on Instagram. Uh, Nine votes short. Um, you guys got any shows coming up? Uh, yeah, we uh, we got a show coming up at Savoy in Albany on the 29th. Um, we're going to be up in Saratoga the first part of March um, on a Monday, actually, which is a little bizarre. But we uh, we have a couple other shows we're, we're piecing together now for the spring. Uh, and at the end of February, uh, we're going to be in Massachusetts for like a Sunday matinee show. Uh, we're playing that with a band Sky Tigers from Mass, who's, who's fucking phenomenal. So definitely check those guys out. Um, we're on, yeah, we're on Instagram, we're on Spotify. Um, I believe we're also on iTunes at this point. I, I can't, I can't remember if we are or not, but I know we're on Spotify, nor on Bandcamp, and uh, we got an EP coming out here. Um, we're 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 got an EP coming out uh, right around Christmas time too, which is coming up. So a little, little three three track EP for for everyone of uh, original shit. So we're excited about that. So thank you for having me on, Jesse. This is as always a fucking treat, dude. Always, man. Uh, and yeah, if uh, if you've listened to this and dive back into our additional hourage of uh, Ramon's talk, um, check out some CJ and some uh, Richie solo tracks uh, because there's definitely a lot in there to uh, dig in and enjoy. So uh, once again, thank you. It's Heart Guide Media Podcast. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Heart Guide Media. Uh, rate and review on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, google play wherever you listen to your podcast you can get it and uh yeah long live the ramones